Hi, I'm here with uh, Stefano Della Pietra, who's the product designer for La Mazzocco, and we're going to talk about the new launch release of the GB5. Welcome. How are you doing, Stefano? Ciao a tutti. I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> well, first of all, let me thank you so much for coming on on onto this uh, onto this interview, and uh, and also for uh, for doing it in English and because uh, Italian, <laughs> I think we we've, we've already we've already come to the conclusion if we we're doing it in Italian, it would. Not <laughs> so thank you so much for your time. Thank to you. All right, super. You're actually right now. You're based at. Um, you want to tell us where you're at because you're at the design center, right? Yeah, right now I'm at the Academia del Caffè Espresso, which is a kind of new hub that was uh, created by La Marzocco. And it's really uh, the places where La Marzocco used to be from, I guess, 99 till 2009. So this was the production hub of La Marzocco. And we have a small workshop with a lot of other things, but I'm going just straight to the points. For You have your toys there, right? Yeah, we have a workshop where we can make customized machines and mockups, and so is is where we have the freedom to to try some new things. Perfect, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So it's quite an interesting um, subject that we're going to go through because rather than dig into the technicalities of this feature or that feature of the machine, we're actually going to take a different view. We're going to start talking about the design how the these machines get born, how the design process works, and in fact, how you fit that together with the engineering teams and how those two teams come together and whether you're strangling each other in the cafeteria or, or <laughs> which I'm sure you, you won't admit to, but but, but how, the, uh, how that dynamic works inside of Lamazocco, taking into account, of course, all of the the history and the other things that uh, that that you've got to you've got to keep in your mind. So, uh, but first of all, first of all, Stefano, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started in your career and how you ended up with espresso machines? So, uh, the beginning of my career is uh, completely mechanical engineering because this is what I studied for. Um, I really love, and uh, at the moment maybe even more uh, motor cycles and cars and all this stuff. So I studied for that. And um, after this, I tried to work in the um, automotive sector. I worked for a few in the Piaggio, do you know, the Vespa? Now, of course I know. I'm a motorcycle fan. We'll talk later on because I know you're going to try and sell me Ducati, but I've got a Triumph. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, I worked there in the uh, after sales, so it was pretty far from where <laughs> I am now. And after that, I worked in the oil and gas as project manager, but I really wanted to draw something, to design something. I didn't want to stay in front of an Excel file. <laughs> it wasn't my <laughs> really what I wanted to do. And so I, just, I moved to La Manzocco as really a mechanical engineer. Um, but I started drawing some new shapes and I showed it to Piero, Piero Bambi. The wow. The legend. President. Yeah. And he, he saw these, these new drawings and he told me, well, we have to work on these a little without saying anything. <laughs> so I said, okay, 
After two weeks, there were Piero and Guido, which is the CEO of La Marzocco, together at one table, say, saying to me, do you want to be the new La Marzocco designer? I said, no way. Really? And so this is how it started. And I mean, they have seen something that it wasn't easy to be seen because now that I look at my first drawing, I wouldn't have made that quest. So, <laughs> and that was uh, six years ago. So I had the luck to stay with Piero every day for five years. And it really helped me in uh, improving my eye and seeing all the proportion and the stuff. Uh, was really, really an important period for my career. Yeah, not many people would uh, would have that chance. So, No, it's, and, and for me, I mean, you need to have a good base, then you have to study. And I was already studying design because I loved it by myself, but then you have, you need to have a maestro or someone that is helping you because it's really giving you the right direction and to have the lack of finding him was really big, a big thing. That's fantastic. So, I mean, you kind of answered the second question, which was who, which designers have inspired you during your career? So, you know, yeah, clearly the you is, but, <laughs> okay. is one of you're kind of things. cheating because, the, <laughs> but, but maybe, maybe, I, I mean, usually I, I'm, I'm not stuck on uh, one style or one. I, I try to, to look at everything that is around me. Because in the end, on every object that is close to you, there is someone who made a decision on the aesthetics. Right. You can like it or not, but it, all these shapes are working in, in your head. So I try to look as much as possible. And um, probably for my background, I think uh, designers like Gandini or Bertone in the automotive sector are really the one that I love the most, but, but also, I don't know, Ames or uh, Sotsas, a lot of really, really, I mean, I, I, I love to see how people think about new stuff. They're, everyone is seeing things in a different way. And when, when you're making design, I think that you have to move from saying, I like it or not, and try to understand how they arrived there. Right. So it's actually more important to understand the thinking as well as just looking at the final result. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many amazing designers. <laughs> well, is there a period of time, do you think, in the car industry? Just for one question, we're going to ask about cars. But is there a particular period in time where you say that's the golden period? That's when design really took a leap forward? I think... 60s maybe for me Ah, okay interesting yeah i i mm -hmm. I, I thought you're going to say 50s or 60s but yes yeah, yeah I, no really i don't know i in my in my garage i have a lancia fulvia but it goes from the 70s yeah yeah <laughs> so i don't know is but i would say 60s maybe. okay it's fantastic but also looking at the 80s or the 90s there's something that ah, the 80s were terrible what are you talking about but let's not go yeah, there let's not go but, down the rabbit hole <laughs> I had a my I, one of my first cars was a 1970 uh, Chevy Monte Carlo in bright green <laughs> with a white roof and faux leather. It was fantastic, except that if the uh, if the engine ever cut out and sometimes it did, 
all the power in the steering and the and the brakes would go. So you would just be this <laughs> missile going down the road <laughs> with no steering and no brakes. So <laughs> I know this from experience. Um, so uh, so let's go back to the GB5. Uh, yeah. You you had presumably when you start out on a on a project. So the GB five is actually when was the first GB five come out? It was in the two thousand and five. Two thousand five. Yeah. Okay. Something around then. Yeah. So so when you designed the new GB five, what were your goals? We sat down. And you thought, okay, what do we want to achieve? What what went through your head? Uh, at the beginning, we were just saying, okay, these. Uh, this is a classic and we love the shape of this machine, but we want to make something new. Maybe the time arrived for changing a little. So at the beginning we said, they told me, Stefano, just try to see something. If you want to change something, not too much because we would like to keep not having too many troubles in, in production. You know, every time, for example, putting a new machine like the GB5 in production means to have something like 100, and 10 new version that you release in your production. So wow. it's a huge job. And we started like that. So I changed a little the panels, some small things, some, but this ain't the, the Lamarzocco DNA. So we, we knew that we had to change it and change it and change it. And in the end, after a lot of changing, just small, some small details, we said, okay, we know that we need to change a lot. Come on, we cannot tell to I to us anymore. We need to, to change it. And uh, our first goals were to try to um, improve how you can see the groups because on the GB5, they are a little covered. So we decided yeah. to work there, so on the front panel. Also to work on the drip tray, trying to, uh, because the, the old GB5 has a plastic corner which stays with uh, pieces of metal close to it. So the dirt going there, we said, okay, we don't want to have this anymore. Let's think about a new drip tray. And also the cap tray, there were too many pieces. It didn't work too much for us. So we decided to work on these two, three things. And at the beginning, it was really difficult because the GB5 is an iconic machine and you don't know what you can touch without changing the DNA of the machine. It's really... Right. We're going to come on to that question. Don't cheat anymore. You've already cheated okay, once. You're allowed so one cheat in the interview and then that's it. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I'm interested for me, you, it's, you're, you're not like an artist just making something. You've got to make it hand in hand with the engineering team. So, so which comes first? Do, do the engineers come to you and say, we've got these new technology we want to incorporate and you have to design around it? Or do you kind of create the design and go to them with the ideas of what you want the thing to look like and they have to fit their technology? And talk, talk a little bit about how that dynamic works. So let's say that uh, the dimension of the new machine or like the GB5 is something that is part of the specs that you have at the beginning of a project. So that the machine has to be more or less that dimension. Then you start, uh, we usually go in parallel. So there is the engineering part that starts working on the internal components while I'm going on the external one. Uh, 
So um, we try to combine them after a few. So we try to keep separated for not uh, giving us too many borders that we have to respect that maybe are not really needed. But also when we start uh, designing a new shape, we know that we are not making a masterpiece that has to stay on, on a counter stuck there. Nobody has to touch it. No, our goal is to give um, to the barista the perfect machine for his job. I mean, if they, for some aesthetic reason, they're not able to work as they would like, we are making a mistake. So right. Functionality always comes first. So... Uh, we start thinking about how something has to be made. This is part of, of the design process and how the machine has to be maintained. So maintenance is really a, a, a huge topic. And this is where we have the biggest fight with the engineers. <laughs> oh, I guess <laughs> get into be, it. Come on, spill the beans. It would be super easy to put some screws like on the sides and just remove the screw and that's it, you did it. But it's like, it's not part, really part of our DNA. We don't want to have screws around or things like that. And also for cleaning reasons, we try to have less screws than possible. So that is the biggest fight. So I want to have the screw under that pan and not come up yeah. possible, we cannot get there. Yes, we can. And you start arguing for <laughs> The good thing is that many times I start from the shape and I also have to make the panels because as I, as I was telling you, I started as a mechanical engineer. So I started thinking about the shape and how to put these panels together. So when I push too much on design, it's it's on me at least. So there's no one arguing. <laughs> and and Stefano, since we, since, listen, no one's going to know. Okay. This is just between you and me. <laughs> but <laughs> do you ever put things in there that you know are going to be uh, objectionable and then you take them out afterwards as a concession and then you win all the other things that you really wanted? Uh, something similar when we have to make some aesthetical approval. So I try to make the shape as, I don't know, the 90% exactly as it should be for me. And then I leave something that, hmm, I know that it's not going to be so that when people are looking at it, they are all going on that detail that, you know, you can change with no problem. I but knew it. I so, knew it. Okay. <laughs> that you have to do sometimes. That's fantastic. How long does it take, like from the beginning to the end? Um, so when somebody sat down and, and who makes the call, who sits down one day and says, ah, you know, we need to come out with a new GB5. And then how long does that process take from the moment that guy says it to it being in the shops? Uh, usually this starts uh, directly in, at Ramazoko from our CEO. Hmm. So it's Guido that has really great uh, vision of the market that is telling us, okay, we should do, we, we should go in this direction. And then we try to understand how. Uh, but but usually it's him that is giving us the direction at the beginning, and also the uh, there's part of the marketing that is related to the product that is helping us to to find better the direction. But we are pretty free as R and D, so 
we really don't have at the beginning of the project uh, such important specification that are closing you. We try right. to have a human-centered design. So it's like we can change our specs. We don't. We haven't them written somewhere. They are fixed there. We don't want to change it. If we think that we can make a better product, we change them. And this is why, going back to the beginning of the que- of this question, the first drawing was in 2017. So <laughs> ah, so okay, so it's three years, roughly. Yeah, yeah, three years where we changed a lot because. You start from night, then you change and change and change and always trying to obtain the better product that that we feel is really respecting the Marzocco values. And so we are not afraid of change. Talking of that, great segue. Um, let's talk about materials for a second. So there's a lot of talk about, um, I mean, obviously materials change. And, you know, some people say your boiler has to be copper. Other people say, you know, we can go stainless steel and and then people's opinions change. And uh, then some materials are considered more environmentally friendly. Some materials obviously have to be considered because of their weight or because of their um, thermal dynamic uh, capabilities. Have the how important are materials into in the design process how do you do you obviously you keep up to date with what materials the, the benefits and the change um uh uh in the opinions of, of different materials but also of course the environmental impact as well and sustainability questions come into come into it can you talk a little bit about how those questions factor in to the design process and then specifically on this model, the GB5, whether you you purposefully therefore chose any different kinds of materials to work with and how those worked into the design. Well, I think um, for answering to this question, we have to split it in two. So there is one part that is really related to the aesthetics. Um, so for everything, there is the external shape of the machine. Uh, you have to stay true to your uh, DNA. It yeah. means mean that you have a material that is stuck there, but for example, uh, if tomorrow Roman Zocco is going to make something that is sustainable but lasts like two years, that is really completely out of our thinking of how we how we work. So, um, and there is also a, in, in Italian is percezione, perception, maybe. Perception, yeah, right of what you see and what you touch. So our machines have to be a heavy duty machine. I mean, people want to have them on the counter for many years. They don't, and also with the design, you give this kind of feeling and with the material that you choose for your external shape. So uh, this is why many times we choose to go on with stainless steel because um, first of all, it's just the raw material and um, it gives you the importance of, of the product. And also, you know, that it's going to be there for many years. So um, this is a type of approach in sustainability for us to have a machine which can stay there for, I don't know, 20 years without throwing it away. It's a way of being sustainable. We can improve and we try to improve a lot there because that's that's road that, that we, we have to make and that we are making. And also it goes through the materials that you were saying, or maybe finding 
I don't know, different way of eating up or, for example, on the GP5, we work a lot going to the other part of, of, of this topic, which are the internal component of the machine. We worked a lot on insulation. So because we have found uh, on our um, carbon footprint that a part of uh, the um, uh, where we can improve uh, our sustainability was really uh, the eating uh, the eating moment of the machine. So we tried to insulate much better the components that are inside the machine, and also we we decided to add some uh, small plastic components for um, the connection of the boilers to the frame in order to not uh, throw away these heat that we paid some electricity for. So right and. Uh, so th there is this big difference between external and internal components. And also we have to think about the fact that uh, we are talking about a coffee. So there is a lot about um, sanification. Yeah. It's so in the end, it's something that you drink. So it's really, really important the material that you are choosing for that. So right. stainless steel, we know that we are not going to cause any, any problem to what is drinking our coffees. So also this part is a, a huge important part of, of a coffee machine. Right. It's an understood material. It's actually interesting what you say, because I've been, we've been writing a lot on, uh, on bar talks on sustainability from different angles, not just in coffee, but also in cocoa. And the more I look into uh, subjects, which seem quite simple on the surface, when you go for every single thing, you know, electric cars, electric cars have batteries. Uh, Elon Musk was recently criticized in Tesla because mm -hmm. he started accepting Bitcoin. And for those that don't know, Bitcoin, um, I think it's it now requires more electricity than some countries to generate new Bitcoin. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's called blockchain mining. So when you're mining Bitcoin to make new Bitcoins, it's uh, you've got computer cycles having to, to uh -huh. go through a mathematical operation. And it's become so big now, the, the complexity, and it's just to do with the way the, the, the systems are architected, that a huge amount of power is required to do the math problem that then results in the creation of a new Bitcoin. And in actual fact, it's now only practical to do this in countries where the electricity is very free or very cheap. But the point is, you worked it out that there's more electricity used in creating Bitcoin than some small countries use in the entire country. So here you've got a car manufacturer selling hmm. an environmentally friendly car and taking Bitcoin in payment, which in itself right. is the most unenvironmental currency that, that can exist. And so every single environmental um, question that I look at is more complicated than it seems. And somebody can point the finger at anywhere and say, ah, that's not environmentally yeah, yeah. friendly. But you say, hold on a second, you didn't take into account the fact that this has got a two-year life cycle. And as you just said, well, but people are going to keep our machines for 10 or 20 years. So and this is also what we try to do with the shape. So you can also uh, draw something that you think is going to be out of fashion in, uh, I don't know, two years. Mm -hmm. Try to draw something as we usually do that has a classic base. It can, could stay there for, I don't know, if you think to the old GP5, 
It was from 2005 till now. And I mean, it's a beautiful machine. Mm. It's one of, of, of my favorites. So, or to the Linea Classic, it's from the 1990 till now. Still looks good. Still looks good. We did uh, part of our products based on that, like the Linea Mini or the Linea PB. It's always the same shape and it's still working. And this is a way of giving a base that doesn't change in design. But does that ever does that ever box you in? I mean, does that ever feel like a constraint to you? The fact that you've got all of that heritage, all of that. So you're sitting down to design a new machine, right? Mm-hmm. And and maybe one day you just want to go crazy and <laughs> design something. I don't know. You want to design something totally new and totally, totally out there, like a new concept. Mm-hmm. Presumably it's difficult to do that because, you know, you've got such a, uh, a loyal following that might be, uh, that might find yeah, yeah. very difficult to understand a, a completely new design direction. So uh, how much does that constrain you? Does that feel like a constraint or not really? Mm, to me, not really, not really because, uh, it's, it, it's not so easy to, to explain it, but, uh, you really don't have rules. It's like, is your high that there is helping you in understanding what could be a Marzocco design or not? And staying true to, to La Marzocco is something that makes me really proud of. So it's something for the moment, at least, I don't know if in 20 years it's going to be different for me or not, but now it's like finding always something that has a different shape, but still talk the same language is a big challenge every time. And I, I don't feel like I have too many, uh, I don't feel close in something. It's, I, no, I think uh, it's hard to find always the right rule for having something that works as La Marzocco by changing shape. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if I was able to explain it. But. Yeah, you did. I mean, I mean, we've, we've really beaten this whole car metaphor to death as well, but I'm going to have one more throw at it and just say BMW. Uh, with their new grill have come out has come under a lot of criticism because they changed. I mean, that was just mm-hmm. the grill for crying out loud, you know, just the grill. And, but, but the BMW fans out there are all like, Oh my God, I, you know, I'd never buy one now because the grill's a different shape, you know, <laughs> come on. Hey, it's something. Um, I think that the BMW designers are, have big shoulders probably because uh, every time you talk about aesthetics, everyone has an opinion and everyone wants to share it. Yeah, yes, you are so right. It's not like saying I, I'm uh, talking about math in a, such a high way that one can tell me anything. No, the aesthetics is just look at it and, and I have an opinion to tell it. And if I know that you are the designer, I want to tell you even more. So it's like... <laughs> of the day is listening to people say, I don't like that. I would have done in another way. So you need the broad shoulders, but still keep the ears open. Yeah. More brains are always working better than just one. Right. Right. You have to be (laughs) find the right idea, but it's some, it's really probable that it's not in your brain, but outside. 
Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Listen, we, 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 we're, we're coming towards the end. I've got a couple more questions that I'd like to ask you. And one of them is really about the, the maintenance, because I know that maintenance, obviously, in, in the cafe of your machine is very important. And that becomes a, a cost equation as well. You know, that if you can keep working on a machine, even when you're still needing to do something on, on one of the groups is important. If you're busy, that's money, right? Yeah. That's, some, that's money right there. So, um, but obviously it presents, oh, I say, obviously, I don't know. I assume it presents a challenge from the design point of view because you've got how you want the thing to look. And then you've got these annoying, um, you know, technical people who come along and say, we need all these different things. And then on top of that, they might say, ah, and also we might need to do the maintenance on this whilst over here, you're still working. How, how does that, play in does it is that a is that a consideration and on the gb5 how did you how did you tackle that problem so usually we have uh, at the beginning we start making it as i was saying the the design and the internal components then we put them together on a first prototype usually mm-hmm. and at the moment we call uh, the after sales guys uh, so they look at the machine we really try to remove everything and putting it back again uh, but obviously, you have to start thinking about the maintenance from the beginning of the project. And it's even um, more difficult, maybe, than what you were saying, because you have to think about that the, the coffee machine can stay close to the wall, close to the wall, back, close to the wall on one side, close to the wall on the other side. Right. That you know that will always be free is the front, where the barista is walking. Yeah. But really, it's, it's kind of nightmare because you cannot say I can remove everything from the back. No, maybe there's a wall. So it's impossible. Um, so this is why on our machines, usually you have the screws on the barista side because at least there you have to be able to remove parts. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I would love to do not have it, but it's something that, <laughs> that it's needed. So... Um, and we choose to have also both sides that can be removed without making, um, uh, without needing too much room. That is something that it's like the beginning. If you are not doing that, the machine cannot go out in any case. It's impossible. So uh, we have this moment with after sales guys where they're saying that we are don't think about anything. We are not good in anything. <laughs> Take everything again. And many times they are right. Because when you start drawing things, thinking about the aesthetics, how it has to work, uh, maybe something the maintenance is really, uh, if you don't look at it by saying, okay, I want to remove it and placing it back, it's something that you are going to forget. So it's really an important point. Then we go to through the pre-series. So once that we have made all these studies, we um, finalize the project. We release all the stamps, the molding, and we take back the single components, put them together in pre-series, call the after sales guys again, and see again if everything is okay, and then we can go to production if field testing went good. So we have this, it's really an important moment, uh, the maintenance. We know that we are making objects that are used for walking. I mean, there's, so they have to be maintained. Right, 
Right. And you do it right at the beginning. So, so it's something that you, you don't leave to the later, you don't leave to the end. You, no, you no, never. Every time I start people. drawing something, I know that the last art panel has to be removed easily and also the cover of the group. I know that that is something that it's needed. So what about let's 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 just talk about you for one second and 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 then we'll, we'll thank you so much for your time we'll, we'll we'll wrap this up. But I wanted to know what's it what's it like? I'm sure a lot of people want to know. What's it like working for Lamazocco? What's it like to be a designer for, you know, arguably like the top espresso machine maker in the world? Yes, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, at the beginning, uh, you feel some some pressure. Because, uh, there are a lot of people working for La Marzocco in, in the fabric, but around it. And so you feel like you cannot make mistakes. But this is where really La Marzocco works because uh, they let me feel super protected at the beginning. And working with Pierre was a way. But when I had some um, doubt, I just went to him and he was saying, yes, no, easy super fast, just by looking at one thing. So when he was saying yes, you were feeling <laughs> like a kind of superhero because you were sure that it would have worked. So having these five years with him was something that really helped me in not feeling the pressure and taking all the beautiful part of this job. And it's really, many people are fascinated by, by the design of our machines and, and they are telling me and and I mean it's I think maybe the best part of every job that, that you can make because as I was saying before there are many people telling you I would have done this in a different way but there are also a lot of people saying I love that machine I love so that is something priceless it is I must imagine listen yeah. thank you so much for your time I wish you the very best the rest of the week Thank you again. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Grazie. Ciao.